Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello, welcome. And today we have a very, very special episode. We got Ernest from the Insta Lab podcast hopping on. We're going to talk some Rockets. We're going to talk some NBA. I'm excited to do so. Ernest, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Excited to be joining the podcast for the first time. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. Great to always have you. Good, always good to, to get some first-time guests on. Well, Phil and I planned on having just a regular old NBA general podcast. There's some stuff going on, but given the fact that Ernest is a big Rockets guy, we're going to do a little bit of a Rockets debrief. Talk about how he's reflecting on these years that clearly it's a new chapter of the Houston Rockets organization. So kind of reflecting on the past, looking at the future and just uh, kind of taking it all in. I don't know too many Rockets fans. This will be fun. You get to go, Ernest? Yeah, I'm, sure I'm very excited. You know, the, the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Yeah, the Houston Rockets going through a huge rebrand, right? Losing the beard. So. Yeah, lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. All right, so I'm going to start off with this, Ernest. So before we even get into kind of where the team is heading now and the trade and all that stuff, I just want to ask you, how do you look back on the Harden era with the Houston Rockets? Just I'll give you the floor. Like, do you have fond memories up and down? You know, like if I asked you reflect on Harden's time, what was it, eight years or whatever, which is a lot of time in today's NBA, and, you know, Obviously, superstars jump all over the place. Eight years is a long time. How do you reflect on that time with James Harden in Rockets uniform? Yeah, I, I, to me, it, it's a huge success um, because you have a guy who came in here that was sixth man of the year with a lot of internal drama from the Oklahoma City Thunder. We gave up a lot just to bring him in. And, um, and then he goes from a possible starter um, star to an MVP talent one of the best offensive players of our, of our generation. Um, arguably you'd say Del Mar, you'd probably say all time up there with Michael Jordan, but I'm not going to go that far and, and, uh, and try to argue that, but he is uh, a generational talent and he brought a lot of game winning shots, a lot of memories, a lot of defensive less nights where he gave us headaches, but then uh, the effort was there towards the latter part of his tenure with the Rockets. But I mean, James Harden set a brand and, and retooled what the Houston Rockets were known to be the franchise of the big man became the franchise of the beard. And, uh, and I have nothing but fond memories until this past off season and, and this season where he just left this terrible taste in your mouth to end his, uh, end his career and his time in Houston. But um, I mean, I think I'd be singing a different praise if we were, if that hamstring didn't pop uh, in the, in the, the 2018 uh conference finals against the Golden State Warriors. Um, I think we'd be saying how he got a ring in Houston, brought a ring. Now he's chasing more rings in Brooklyn, but uh, it didn't work out. The fate, the NBA gods did not work out for us that year. And, and so now we have, uh, you know, a lot of questions in Houston as we're moving forward. Yeah. And talking about that 2018, you know, playoff series, I kind of wanted to ask you on your thoughts of like just that kind of atmosphere of the Chris Paul hamstring. Like, did you think the next year it was like, this is a shoe in, we need to go for this. This is unquestionably, we just missed 27 straight threes. Like that's just a fluke. And the next year is going to be different. Or were you kind of like, well, ah, like think, this is the theory behind yeah. the Rockets was like kind of set to be bad. Yeah. The worry was age, right? Cause Chris Paul was going to age again, how he was going to perform it. And 
and it looked like he was he took a steep decline because if you look at the next season, his most of his stats went down. His minutes had to go down. He had injuries that would prompt him to be out, and it was not the uh, best experience on our side as a Rockets fans to be watching uh, Chris Paul, a declining Chris Paul, and uh, and so really the thought process in the offseason was yes, run it back, right? Run it back. We have the team. We're all, we obviously work in we had that UCF approach, like it, we, we should have won the championship. We were the best team that year, maybe not talent wise on the roster, but team chemistry wise, we were the best team. And, and then um, it went downhill from there um, considering age and, and injuries, including Eric Gordon um, that, that missed 36 games that season that just didn't, uh, it didn't mesh well with our, our team. So yeah, lots, lots to say. So the writing might not have been on the walls, but maybe the theology was doomed to start. Well, you know, uh, the the ability to uh, incorporate Darren Morey's idea of threes or bust, I mean, you go all in with that method. You were going to live and die by the three. That li- That's literally how the team operated and, you know, you're part of the Houston Rockets organization. You knew that was going to be how it was going to, how we were going to orchestrate and, and, and deliver that. And so, um, I mean, I, I would do it all over again. I wouldn't change it. So, I mean, I guess maybe that's just the Houston Rockets mindset. Uh, but, you know, it got us to where we're at, a hamstring away from almost making the finals. And, and then now things are changing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. 10 out of 10 times I'd run it back the same way if I were the Rockets, because one specific instance where it just didn't fall their way. And if that went the way they wanted it to, and they didn't miss 27 straight threes, then who knows where they'd be right now. As you were saying before, Harden could have been traded trying to chase more rings now. Nate, anything? Yeah. For, for me, a lot of people point to 2018 with the Rockets and that Chris Paul hamstring. I I honestly, and I don't know, I, I like to look back to 2019 for some reason. And I know that the team wasn't as good and Chris Paul wasn't playing at the same level he was the year prior. But I viewed 2018, I was really surprised they pushed the Warriors the way that they pushed the Warriors. I thought that the Warriors roster was much better and clearly the Rockets had a better team chemistry thing going. But I just... The, the Warriors just seemed inevitable to me as long as they had Kevin Durant. And the next year, when Durant goes down, I really viewed that season as the Rockets' year to win. I thought that Daryl Morey did a great job constructing a team where if just one slip up to the Warriors, they were the favorites. And although Houston wasn't that team in 2019 record-wise, I think they had the fourth-best record in the West that year. When Durant went down and they had that game six at home, I really thought it was that year to, win, to for them to win the title. And, you know, they win that series, and then they go to play Portland, who I think is definitely, we all saw, was an inferior team to Golden State. And then that final, LeBron's not even there that year. It's, it's Kawhi's Raptors, who was a, a great team, but I don't, it's you know, they're not the Warriors. So I just personally thought that was the year to win. And I thought after that, I was like, that that was it. You know, I, I didn't see how that how yeah. they were coming back from that series. They definitely had two. Their peak was at minimum two years long, where they were like, it's like it could, it's a toss up. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. I, I 
I think I think Chris Paul was was really kind of facing a career defining moment for him. I don't think he gets into gear the way he did with OKC and now at Phoenix. Had he played and continued in Houston, um, I know the what ifs and you can never know, but um, the coexistence of Chris Paul and James Harden in in that season, you can see they were just sharing a half court. It wasn't a full team offense. Chris had problems with James when he was off the ball. James had problems with Chris when he was off the ball or sitting or, or not on the court. Just a lot of conflict. Um, had the 2018 chemistry Rockets been in 2019, I think I'd be saying they won the ship that year because I just think the flow was much better offensively. Um, but what ifs and, and who wins, you just it can't, can't, can't go back. But I, I, an, inter- an interesting perspective because I haven't heard it, you know, that the 2019 was their window uh, to make that move. Just a lot of injuries and the flow was just so bad that year. Um, that's why they dropped to the four seed. So, um, yeah, that would be my perspective on that yeah, uh, yeah, they, they weren't the same team. But I, I remember watching that game six, and I'm sure you remember it as well. Stephen Curry having zero points in the first half, and somehow the Rockets were up by like eight or something. It, you know, it, if Stephen Curry has zero points in half, you should probably be up by more points, especially when Kevin Durant's not playing. It just And it just smelled bad news. And, yeah, I just personally look back at that series and just say, you know, there wasn't any coming back from that. Then they make the Russell Westbrook deal. And before we hop into this season, I have hope for the Russell Westbrook-James Harden pairing, who I think we all have come to realize at this point was a complete James harden Tillman Fertitta move. I don't think Daryl Morey really had interest in acquiring Russell Westbrook, but it happened, and they tried it. And it, I guess, wasn't a complete disaster because they won a playoff series, but it also wasn't what it could have been I don't know like how do you look it was it was a weird season with Harden and Westbrook yeah it definitely has Tillman Fertitta all over it but it was just that James Harden was running the ship at that point and not Daryl Morey I think the the big thing was is that uh James believed in it and Russell Westbrook and James Harden were teammates they were friends they really enjoyed playing together and so that was kind of the buy-in right is that these two guys really want to play together and when you really want to play with somebody, I mean, you, you know it. You guys play sports, you know. When you have a team that has that chemistry, you know, you play above your heads. And so I think the buy-in from Rockets fans is a lot of what Daryl and the team would say. You know, no two former MVPs pairing up had ever not won a championship until James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Mm. So the thought was if you put two MVPs together, guarantees you at least a finals appearance because – History shows if you have two MVP caliber players, not caliber, but two former MVPs together on a team, never not won a championship. So have to have some of that NBA God action in there too, that that's going to be fake. Just when you have two players that are so ball dominant and Russ, you know, a lot of people want to say just a complete failure for that year, for, for last year, but Russell Westbrook had a lot of injuries. Yeah, he had he had COVID before the bubble and he was a shell of himself in the bubble. And a lot of people blame bubble Westbrook for really the Rockets not being not going deeper in the playoffs or or making the giving the Lakers a better run. But you saw what happens when you have a team that has much better floor action, a deeper roster compared to what the Rockets were playing with. Um, And then the big story was Daniel House not playing in that series as well. That maybe could have been a big difference maker, too as far as how that, how that series would have gone. But, yeah, the Russ experiment was a failure, um, unfortunately. 
Um, but you could tell that it was sort of just like the calling card of what was really happening behind the scenes. And it was that Tim Apertita had an idea of where this team is going to go. And Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni had a different strategy of approaching the future. James Harden won at that one. And uh, now we're here where we're at today, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Westbrook thing is interesting because, you know, he, he had that run last year where he's playing like everybody thought he should be playing. He's not taking threes, he's attacking the rim. He was – at stretch, it was like a month or two right before the league shut down. People were starting to think maybe the Rockets had something going. But I'm, I, don't, I don't know, Ernest. For me, like you say two MVPs, but I, I don't know if it's – and I'm not saying you did this, but for, from an organizational standpoint, I don't know if it's fair to just say two MVPs and we're good because Russell Westbrook and James Harden, I mean, Russell Westbrook, as much, as talented as he is, like he's no longer an MVP caliber player. Like he's not a top 10 NBA player anymore. You know, like we, we, right. we saw what two MVP players look like and it was the team that you lost to in the playoffs in LeBron Anthony Davis. Those are two MVP type players. So it sound it looked good on paper, but I mean we saw what happened in the in the series against the Lakers. I mean they were they were treating Westbrook like they would treat a center, and right. those those possessions where Westbrook is taking a wide open three, I mean that's a win for the Lakers. And when you have a guy like Harden that demands so much attention, and you don't have a big man, which is fine, like I don't think that was a horrible thing, but but then you have another player anyways who can't shoot, it kind of defeats the purpose in a way. So I thought that it was kind of myopic on Maury's – and it, it, not Maury's um, – it wasn't Maury's move. But like Warren's, Maury's philosophy is very three-driven. It's also very star-driven, right? He always thinks like you should have stars. But I think right. this was kind of an example of like you can't just take the stars in a vacuum and assume it's going to work. The stars have to make sense together. And I don't think Harden and Westbrook really made a lot of sense together when, it, when push came to shove. But I don't know if you had a different perspective yeah, sm- on that. Small ball, small ball was a, a a risky, risky move for Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey to employ, um, especially because basically you're masking, as you said, Russell Westbrook as a center, and then that allows you to put a shooting big out there and be able to bring up the ball like Jeff Green. Jeff Green was a fantastic signing, and and be able to um, you know spread teams thin on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, you're always susceptible. You would never win the rebounding battle, and your effort and energy would continue to deteriorate night after night, which is another reason probably why they couldn't make a deep run in the playoffs or why the Lakers run them dry. Um, but, no, I, I can't say Russell Westbrook was going to be, you know, an MVP-type cali- cali- caliber uh, talent when he came to Houston. Um, but when you have a man who's a walking triple-double, um, you know the stats are going to be there for the night of what you need because, remember, Maury's all about numbers. So the guy's bringing you the top top end production to go with another another individual who's a top end production like James Harden, and then that allows you to just fill the stats of what you need and tip the odds in favor on the on the paper of uh, what you need to win for the season, and then hope in the playoffs with two All Star talents like that and one one in your opinion one MVP talent probably in in Mori, two MVP talents in the playoffs would tip you over the edge in, in playoff series. It just didn't work out, especially when if you say, and you and I agree, Russell Westbrook's not really the Russell Westbrook last season, but then even more so with COVID and injuries, he's playing even less than that. The Rockets really didn't have a chance. I do think they were better than the Portland Trailblazers. Don't get me wrong. I, I do think that they, they if they were on the other side of the bracket, they would have made the Western Conference Finals, and maybe we'd be singing a different tune. 
Um, unlike others, I didn't think the Clippers were really living up to their standard either. And they showed that themselves. So, um, you know, just kind of how it all played out. But that's that, that, that would be my my take on the uh, the Rockets last season. Small ball was just a huge risk. Yeah, that's fair. Phil, you got any last comments on the hard era before we kind of move on to where we are now? Uh, no, I'm ready to get into some trade talk. All right, so now moving into where the Rockets are now, we got to start with the Harden trade. So, Ernest, as a Houston fan, I'm just going to put it bluntly, did the Rockets get enough for James Harden at the end of the day? So, the quick answer is yes. The long answer is uh, a little bit on the technical side, but absolutely, right? Four first-round picks, not all of them uh, completely, uh, you know, fantastic, but you never know what's going to happen with Brooklyn in the long run. Um, after this all-star trade, we saw what happened with them when they received Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce in that trade. So hopefully something similar to that. So Houston gets a lot more value, um, but four first round picks, um, I'm sorry, first, four first round picks and four first round swap picks um, to go along with, with a handful of players, I think is, is, is a fantastic trade for Houston. Um, they got out of the Karis Levert situation by getting Victor Oladipo, who I actually think is a fantastic pickup for Houston. If he ends up working out, and staying with Houston, you obtain his bird rights as well. He's only 28 years old. So as he continues progressing, getting past his injury, yeah, he may not be MVP of the league, but he is a fantastic piece to pair with Christian Wood, who's only 25 himself and is a walking double-double. Um, and right now is a walking 2015. Um, so two, two, two young players that still have to enter their prime. And, and uh, to pair up with the cap room that James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you know, kind of leave off now that both have been traded. Um, and, uh, you still have John Wall on your roster. Um, and you, and in that, from that Russell Westbrook trade, who has been great, although for the, has been MIA the past five games, uh, due to knee soreness. So hopefully he gets out of that, that and the Houston, we can actually see what the Houston Rockets team looks like. Um, but you get two other guys in, um, I mispronounce his name all the time. So I'm not even going to try and Dante Exum, um, and, and Rodion's really, that that's what it is. Karooks. And, and, and he is he played fantastic for Brooklyn. I, I was actually surprised they let him go and how, how little playing time he was getting this season. Um, because he was he's a very good shooting shooting big and and Dante Exum who has his flashes but is still young too and who can come to his own. So I think the Rockets, I, I call them and I'm you'll you'll see a, a post come out on the Into the Lab Pod, um at Into the Lab Pod, which is our um, ad handle for Twitter, where I have a video coming out this weekend called The Redemption Rockets and it's gonna be featuring that trade and, and what the new look rockets look like and um, it's, 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 uh, it's quite awesome. So I think they got a lot of stuff going for Houston. I think that trade actually, I actually believe the Houston Rockets won that trade, believe it or not. They may not have gotten the best player out of the deal, but I believe they won, they won the trade. Yeah, no, I think it's very interesting because the Rockets are definitely shifting towards being competitive as well as all the trade picks they sent to Oklahoma city for Russ 2022, 2024 and 2026. They all got back from Brooklyn. So they recouped that. So they're at least at, you know, a net neutral for the draft moving forward, as well as they have the pick swaps for 21, 23, 25, 27. And as you were talking about before, who knows what's going to happen with Brooklyn as things move on. Both those, all three of the guys are on their contract for at least at max three years. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie only have two years left. And then they got the Milwaukee 22. Yeah. So does James. James only has two years left. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I just want to ask you one thing about the Christian Wood signing. When you saw that, did you think it was more of a, 
we know we're getting rid of the ship. We want this guy regardless, and we're going to try to stay competitive. Or was it a like a last-ditch effort to try to keep Harden in Houston? So I, I like, if you don't mind, I'll talk about a couple of acquisitions. But, I mean, sure. the whole reason they had their offseason was to keep James Harden. So it's a failure at this point because they wanted James Harden to stay. Um, but Christian Wood and James Harden practiced in the offseason in California. So it, it was probably more of him persuading him to come to Houston even to begin with that we even got Christian Wood. Um, Christian Wood did play for the RGV Vipers and, and the Houston Rockets. When he went undrafted, we signed him. So he's had some of those loyalties to Houston even from before that. Um, but, I mean, to say I knew Christian Wood was going to be doing what he's doing even now, I would say, I, you know, I'd be lying. DeMarcus Cousins uh, was somebody James Harden wanted a couple years ago. He was in a pitch meeting for him. John Wall practices with Harden also in California and Florida. And so if you look at all the acquisitions down the list, they brought back Joe Green also for training camp. Um, and you look at the people they still have on roster, all of them were for James Harden. It was a way, it was their last ditch effort to pitch and say, if this team starts off winning for this, for the season and your friends are all here, James, maybe you stay and you can win with this team. Um, especially with the, with the trade of Russell Westbrook, it allows Harden to be able to have that big again, like Christian Wood and run the PNR. And that allows the floor to open up. And John Wall actually is shooting the three decent. I think he's 38% this year. So you can you can spread the floor again traditionally. And um, that's more Harden's way of uh, – so that's more of Harden's way of playing anyway. So I think um, it was a last-ditch effort to keep James here. And um, unfortunately, just it just didn't work out. Yeah, they definitely have a good, solid base around him now. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I never really kind of checked all the dots, but I didn't know the Christian Wood connection as well. But so to get back to the trade for one second, the the pick swaps are funny because one of those pick swaps is this year, which is uh, probably not going to work. But maybe, I don't know. It's like a funny little petty add-on you put in there. Like, it might be better than you this year, but uh, probably not. So for all intents and purposes, most likely three pick swaps. But – the Oladipo over Karras thing is interesting to me. I liked it. I thought, and this was before, obviously, the Karras right. kidney thing was revealed, which, you know, is good that that happened, that that that, that was uh, brought to light. So yeah, brought, yeah, brought to light in the trade. Yeah. But before that, the, assuming Karras is, is good to go, I, I like the move because I think that, you know, the John Wall situation, which I'd like to touch on for a little bit as well, the John Wall situation is what it is. You know, like, I don't, I still don't think it's a really good contract to have on your books just because Wall, I mean, we he's not the guy he was before just from a, a health standpoint. Like, we already see he's got to sit out games because of knee soreness. Like, that just kind of sucks to have on your team, right. even though he's been playing well. But he's on your team, so you might as well put the best roster around him that you possibly can. And I thought the Old Depot fit was a lot better. Now, Old Depot is going to be free agent this year, so – that's what you lose when you take him on instead of Karras. They do have the bird rights, but Karras was locked up for, I think, two or three more years on a relatively team-friendly contract. So, like, what are you comfortable giving Oladipo in the offseason? Obviously, it depends on what his play looks like, but, like, I mean, he's going to go for the money. You know, like, I'm not sure what right. teams are going to be interested in him, but how sold are you on, like, pairing Oladipo, Wall, and Wood together for the next couple of years like is, is are you okay with that or you know like what yeah. your name would be ow with two w's <laughs> yes 
it, it, it really going to depend on how he plays this year. So far, he's taken the role of being a ball handler when he's not and uh, because John Wall's out. And so really, I want to see him fit into the two and where he's going to be playing and how it's going to look. But let's let's just be honest. He says, hey, I just don't want to play in Houston. I mean, we're okay with that as well. I think I think the big thing is that he's going to see I have Christian Wood here and myself. If John Wall came off the books, if, if Raphael Stone was able to use some of those assets and get John Wall off the books, if it's not working out because of injuries and age and whatever to a team that maybe is just not competitive um, and free up that cap space and maybe Eric Gordon's out too, then you can sign a max player and a key piece to this team. And now the team looks really rather good if you can get a young key piece in the offseason. Um, and, and you have flexibility going forward. And you have all those pick swaps still. Because if you look at the West and the East, it's a little bit more balanced this year. The East actually might be a little bit more stacked than the West, ironically. Um, but at the West, you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And LeBron's not going to be staying up there for the next five years, right? He's got maybe two or three years that he'll think, be there. I, I, don't even, I don't even know. I'm done. I'm <laughs> well, done trying to play. Yeah, don't, don't jinx well, it at this the, point. The way, the way I see it is that he wants to play with his son, and his son's going to go to a lottery team, so he's not staying in L.A. He's gone in two years no matter what. So L.A. is not going to stay up there at the top of the ranks for very long. Golden State's young. They, I mean, they have two players in their prime that they lean on, but they're, they're youngish with, with Wiseman now joining. And then you have, um, you have the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul's obviously not going to stay high caliber either, so the Suns will regress a little. Portland never can stay healthy and they always play under what they should be. So really when you look at the West, it's wide open and, and a hot take here. Kawhi is not staying in LA. All right. He's gone. So can you elaborate so, where to, I, I, I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to say that just like you did with, with, uh, with, uh, um, Toronto, but Indiana. He's going to Indiana. Oh gosh. I'm just put, I'm just putting it there. He's going to Indiana. They've got the cast space. They've got the pieces. They're just missing missing the star, and he loves that shit. So he's going. Um, and sorry, uh, the, if you can't cuss on your the Illuminati. Yeah, but... tri- no, it's okay. The Illuminati trifecta has formed. Now we now have the insider scoop on Kawhi. That's yeah. So when it happens, you got to bring it back on. But that's my scoop. It's Indiana. Um, unless unless Miami decides to move a couple pieces because they can't afford them, Indiana would be that that max player slot. And I think he goes. I don't think LA's. I don't think the Clippers are are, are that good. That's another hot take. But we'll we'll just talk about that later. But um, but yeah. So you know, you look at the West. It's wide open. If you got three young, fulfilling stars like Oladipo, Wall, and Fit X person there with the type of three and D players the Rockets are stacked with, and the pick swaps in the future for when Brooklyn declines. You got to admit, Houston looks like a very good place in four to five years when everybody else is kind of trying to figure out their squad and Houston's got a set foundation and culture. So I think that's where Rafael Stone and Tillman Fertitta is is looking is, hey, we're a three to five year team, but let's kind of do the best we can with what we got with our assets and then move around pieces. Now, maybe Wall explodes and DeMarcus Cousins comes into his own. The Rockets make the playoffs somehow in the West. And then all of a sudden you you look really good in that trade and, and Oladipo gets his money, but Oladipo can't get any more money anywhere else um, larger than what he can in Houston with the bird rights. And if he really wants to stick around and play with Christian Wood and they get that third piece, the victory in Houston could be really good for years to come. Yeah, I, I like I like the positivity you're selling. And I do, I do think that – I always like when teams are able to stay competitive while having that draft capital. And that's kind of what Boston did when they got all those picks from – Brooklyn, yep, they're right. able to put solid teams together while also knowing they had the safety net picks behind it. Last thing on the trade, Ernest, because I've been since day one, I thought 
the Rockets should have traded for Ben Simmons. And I just thought it made too much sense for both teams. I think Philadelphia is going to look back and regret not trading for James Harden and not making it happen because I, I think that that would have been a perfect pairing there. But he's a Brooklyn now, obviously, and that's why they're under the bridge. Yep. You know, for so long, it seemed like Houston was selling us this, this idea that they wanted that blue chip guy, whether it be Simmons, Michael Porter Jr. stuff floating around. I had a little bit of a kind of sleeper team being the Warriors. I thought that an interesting package around Wiseman could have been created. But, like, would you – how do you view the trade off of the draft capital, which is nice, but we also know draft picks can go one of two ways – or that blue chip guy plus, you know, maybe a little bit more. You know, did you want that? Are you okay with the route they went? Are you thrilled with the route they went? What's your what's your take on that? I think it's still too early for me to really give my ultimate judgment on it. But, you know, Raphael Stone went for the picks because he's going to use them in trade capital, not so much for players, unless for some reason they turn into lottery picks and the Bucks decline heavily or something, you know, then – then maybe, but but Brooklyn would really have to be terrible for them not to not use those picks for the draft. I'm sorry, to use those picks for the draft, Brooklyn would really have to become terrible. Um, and but I think it's just going to be used in, in trade capital and maybe to move Eric Gordon and John Wall and go for that third max player, get El Oladipo to sign the max also if he if he has uh, you know an All Star level season and then you have three big you know the big three there in Houston Young. I think that's probably where they're leaning. But um, let me answer the question right. So Ben Simmons. Um, Ben Simmons is going for rookie of the year for the sixth time. Right. And, and, uh, and, uh, I, I'm, I, I like Ben Simmons. I think he's a fantastic player. He can't, he hasn't developed his shot. Although if you look at his younger years and, and his videos, he has a three point shot. So I'm not sure if just the weight room ruined his, 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 uh, his, uh, shooting form or what, but, um, I, I, I think I would be crazy to say, Hey, I didn't want Ben Simmons. So I'm not going to say that on air. I'm just going to say that Ben Simmons and a piece and maybe a couple of picks would have been fantastic. But I really think Raphael Stone just egged Daryl Morey on saying, you've got a chance, you've got a chance, and then said, psych. I don't think we are ever going to get Ben Simmons. And I think maybe when Daryl Morey started leaking, Ben Simmons is not for trades because he kind of knew I don't have a chance in this thing. Um, because because the, he knew I would, you know, we might have just said, hey, yeah, no, for Ben, we'll, we'll give you James. And he was like, really? And then no. So I think that's kind of what, what went on to see what they would get. And maybe Darrow did one more solid. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe Darrow did one more solid to help Houston grab extra picks from Brooklyn. Maybe. Maybe that's his way of saying goodbye. I don't know. And honestly, I do think that Ben Simmons would have fit here in Houston just like Victor Oladipo does um, because he, he would have been a player that can play on the ball. Right now, he would fit a lot better because John Wall's out, so he could play with the ball in his hands and lead the offense. Um, and you saw what uh, uh, Silas uh, did for uh, – Stephen Silas did for Luca and running the offense there in Dallas, how much smoother it was and how, how Luke got the ball. You had done the same for Ben. So I think it would have been a match made in heaven, to be honest. Um, but, you know, we don't get to see the second coming of Luca and Porzingis in uh, Wood and Ben Simmons. We're looking at a different future in Houston with Oladipo and Wood. And, and so we'll have to see what that brings. But, um, but yeah, I would have loved to see Ben and Rocket Red. Matter of fact, I thought that's the trade that was going to happen until the last hour when Brooklyn pulled the trigger. So gave us everything. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know you brought up a lot of good points there. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I thought that trade just made so much sense for both sides, and but it did. It didn't. It didn't happen. Of Harden Philadelphia, I actually would have preferred that just for NBA sake because, right? I, I would have loved it would have been more dynamic duos. Yeah, yeah, but 
we'll we'll see about the about the Nets. Um, all right, before before we uh, leave it leave it to rest, Ernest, let's just uh, what are we looking? At? You know, what players you looking at? What storylines, coaching wise? We haven't even touched on Stephen Silas. Uh, Silas, sorry, Stephen Silas. So this season, twenty twenty to twenty one. What do you want to see from this Houston Rockets team? I actually watched them last night, and I thought they competed pretty well. They played Phoenix on ESPN, so I tuned into that. They competed pretty well for being completely shorthanded. They really didn't have a point guard on the roster. They had no answer for Aiden down low because they're kind of undermanned there. Christian Wood's a really good player, but I don't know if he's got the girth to match up with the huge centers of the league, and they don't really have another option. So I thought they competed. Old Depot couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. And they uh, were within four points in like last two minutes. So I thought that was actually a successful game for them. But what do you look at for this team this year? Like what do you, when, when I watch Rockets, what should I be keeping an eye on? Yeah. Yeah. So, so before I jump into the season, but last night, right, they were down 74 54 after they missed 12 straight three pointers. And you think, here we go again with Houston shooting three pointers. Then all of a sudden a couple go down, they make their run. They're down two with a minute and 28 seconds left. And Chris Paul's yelling at his teammates. Like this is a game we're supposed to win <laughs> on national television. And so then they pull it out. I honestly didn't, I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to continue tuning in after they were down 20, but that's just what the Rockets are. The redemption Rockets. That's the storyline for this year. It's going to be hashtag redemption Rockets the rest of the season. When John Wall comes back and they have a true point guard actually leading the squad and Dan Wall house comes back. Cause again, he hasn't played since the first game of the season. You have two starting rotation players and then come back in that this team is competitive now without them. And you're going to add those pieces in. We don't know what this Rockets team could be looking like come, come, you know, April, May, and they're trying to push for a playoff spot. And then who's going to want to face a Rockets team that's, you know, making a push to the playoff. Uh, did you guys lose me there? Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, you can pick it up. You're good. after the next yeah, you're three back. games, you're good. Okay, after the next few games, the Rockets actually have the uh, 28th most difficult schedule in the league. So they actually have the third easiest schedule in the league for a team that's young and trying to figure things out under Steven Silas. That's that's actually pretty significant because, I mean, they could make a true run at this and and really, you know, they may be fake, but they could be, you know, a 5-6 seed on a 12-game win streak and then then they meet the rest of their schedule. But, but, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing in the West where – um, the West is not so power heavy. You have a lot of teams that have a lot of unknowns. And then with COVID, who knows what happens? So um, as you can see from the Miami Heat, COVID bubbles help people. Um, they're struggling this year. Um, so you, I know Bam's out, but I mean, it, it's, it just, just goes to show COVID does anything. Um, but yeah, so the storylines this year, it's really going to be um, all about redemption. It's going to be all about uh, Steven Silas's first year and what he can do with the pieces he's given. It stinks that he lost James Harden, his first coaching gig, but he gained a lot of good pieces and, and some key stars that can be in the making um, and how he's going to orchestrate that defense is going to be a huge question all season. Where's it going to come from? You said it yourself. Um, Christian Wood is fantastic on the offensive end. He is not swole by any means necessary. So he is, He's not going to be able to bully people, but he's a young Anthony Davis, in my opinion, because Anthony Davis looked exactly like him and played exactly like him when he was in New Orleans. And um, we're going to see a lot of that with Christian Wood and his making. Um, but it's defense. It's going to be about can can Houston stay in games when they have they have shooting lulls because they don't have that perennial shooter that can that can hit from anywhere besides Eric Gordon if he stays the whole season with Houston. Um, and so it's going to be can they stay in games and can they pull away at the end when they have a lead? 
um, a lot of unknowns in Houston, but I think the main storylines you're going to be focused on are going to be three. It's going to be Steven Silas's coaching job, whether it's bad or good. It's going to be, is John Wall back? And it's going to be, is Christian Wood the next, the next big, big man star of Houston? Is that the, is that the future? And those are going to be the only three storylines you get out of Houston this year, unless for some reason there's some massive playoff push. And it's going to be about how, how the Rockets are overperforming for what their roster looks like. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, last question, Ernest. Are you rooting against James Harden this year? <laughs> I have raw feelings on that. That's a tough question because <clears> on, <throat> I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a Harden stan. Let me first start off with that. I'm a Rockets fan. I've yeah. been a Rockets fan since – I was born, right? I was born into it. And, um, and so uh, I don't want Harden to fail, but I don't, I don't like that he had a fat suit on in Houston and then has two triple doubles in three games in Brooklyn. So that, that really pisses me off. Um, I won't be one of those people who have, giving him a standing ovation when he comes back to Houston because I feel he disrespected the organization by the way he handled things. Um, and, and, uh, but I won't be booing either. So I'm just a neutral James Harden fan. If he gets a ring, he'll still be in my conversation. I've argued why he's better than Dwayne Wade already, mm. but it would just solidify it even more um, if he gets a ring. So kudos to him if he does. Um, but I, I do think that we're looking at one of the best um, generational offensive talents in the history of the NBA in front of us, and so people should just enjoy that. Phil, I feel like you've had that take, right, for a little bit. What is that? The, the, the Dwayne Wade thing? <clears throat> yeah. We've had this argument before. I, I think it's – I don't know if it's right now it's happening, but I think – when, when everything's said and done, it'll be – James Harden will yeah. be over Dwayne Wade. Championship yeah, or not. Le- yeah, he leads them in all statistical categories. You can't argue it. Even postseason play, it's very close that Dwayne Wade edges them. So it's just very hard on a personal one-on-one level that you can say Dwayne Wade's better. But the rings matter. They add a little bit of a multiplier. So yeah. if Harden got it for me – if Harden got one for me, it would be it'd be done. I would say it's it's a, it's no-brainer. But because he hasn't yet, I still have weighed a little ahead. But I've argued the other side. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really easy to argue either side. But, yeah. yeah. We'll it's also, it's also longe- the longevity. Wade was low-key done by the time he was, like, 32, you know? He was, I mean, yeah, it was a flash. He, the flash was a flash. It was a flash. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but yeah, was. Harden looks built to last. We'll see, though. We'll see. You know, th- those Houston picks, I know you say they're, they're trade capital. And in the short term, you're probably not getting anything great. But 2027 is a long time from now. That is that is a long that is a long time from now, and this Brooklyn Nets team is not gonna they're not gonna look the same they do now in six years. Let me say that. Uh, a Neither lot of, will the Nets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying that the Nets are. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, I thought you said Rockets. Never yeah, mind. yeah. I mean, they're both gonna look different. I mean, the NBA is gonna look completely different. So it's just it's hard to speculate, and it's also it's always nice to have those long term picks. You know, the, the Pelicans did that with Anthony Davis trade. And then they did it again with uh, the Drew Holiday trade. I don't even know how many picks they have now. But, you know, with that, that long-term stuff, especially in NBA now where stars are moving all over the place, it's really hard to predict the trajectory of an NBA team. So it's nice to have that, that, that stuff in the future. Yeah, but who knows where the Knicks could be? Who knows where the Knicks can be? Who knows where the Knicks can be? <laughs> well, maybe that's quite that. comes here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get more off off the record about that Kawhi Indiana take, but um, that's not it. Yeah, I definitely. That's not it right there. Well, before we get before we uh, get off, Ernest, do you want to plug some of your stuff? I know you got the podcast going, the Twitter page, so you got YouTube video. 
all good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can find me. You can find um, my podcast at Into the Lab Pod is where you can find it on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, my personal one is at Docy Future PhD. I'm currently my dissertation, but but that's uh, that's that account is not as active as the other one. The other one's my main source. Um, and we we're live Wednesdays at eight um, eight p.m. eight thirty p.m. Eastern time, so seven thirty Central time. And um, we have a lot of fun in our, our podcast. We'll definitely have you guys on for sure. Talk some hoops and, and you know, debate on where Kawhi is going. But, um, uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. We actually just started a streaming division at Blue Collar Media Group, which is the mothership of where where I, I have my landing spot. So Blue Collar Media is where we, uh, we host everything. We have a BCMG stream team for this year. And we have a bunch of streamers that are being featured. And, um, and so you can catch them on there on that, on that page, www.bluecollarmg.com. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Definitely check it out. Yeah, all great. Well, that'll... Thanks for having yeah, me, guys. Yeah, sure. That'll be that for us. Thanks for being here. Please check us out on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Catch us on YouTube, HoopScoop. And let's do our pod on all platforms. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.